0: Good morning. It is great to see all of you today. We're going to talk about temptation today. None of you know anything about temptation, do you? You ever tempted? You experience it? In an older Sunday school class, one time they were talking about temptation, and an older lady raised her hand, and she said, I I spent the first 70 years of my life avoiding temptation, but she says, now the older I get, it seems like temptation avoids me. That's one of the blessings and curses of getting older. In a youth Sunday school class one time, a a young man came to class. He'd never been much to church, and they were going over the Lord's Prayer. And part of it says, and lead us not into temptation. And he didn't know you were supposed to interrupt. He just interrupted. He goes... Lead us into temptation. I don't need anybody to lead me to temptation. I know exactly how to get there. That's where a lot of us are. And I love the old saying, opportunity only knocks once, but temptation knocks for a lifetime. Amen. It does. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to talk about temptation, and I'm not overplaying this card to tell you it is life or death what we're looking at this morning. Right choices, wrong choices here can ruin your marriage, ruin your life, ruin your career, ruin your reputation, hurt the name of Christ, and hurt you. Right choices here can strengthen everything in your life, so it is very, very important that we understand. These principles In Genesis chapter 3, let's begin with this. Smoothly, temptation comes for all of us. It comes in a smooth package or it wouldn't be tempting. It wouldn't be a possibility of causing us to do something we shouldn't do if it wasn't smooth. In verse 1 through 3, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say... You shall not eat of any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but you, God you said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you perish. Now, you remember two weeks ago we talked about the talking snake and how that, that uh, apparently before the fall, the Garden of Eden is more like heaven than anything else we know. Maybe like heaven's going to be like Could animals talk? Obviously, they could. And uh, I won't mention a name, but a friend of mine after the service uh, came up to me and said, well, you said our dogs will be able to talk in heaven. I said, well, that's possible. He goes, well, with the punishment of Eve eating the apple, be women won't be able to talk in heaven. Dogs will, women won't. And I won't mention Teddy's name who's sitting down here on the front row, but I thought that was uh, that was interesting, but that's probably wrong, ladies. Romans, tw- uh, excuse me, Revelation twelve nine identifies who was using, who was using the serpent, and the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan the deceiver of the whole world. We know this, that that the snake, the serpent, was a willing participant used by God. And it says in verse 1, The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. The Old Testament is rich like the New Testament in its word usage. And that word crafty there, it's an interesting word. It's used in other places in the Old Testament in a positive sense to talk about being prudent or being wise or being uh, smart in how you handle things. But it's also, depending on the context... It's used in a negative way. This is in a negative way. It's talking about that the serpent used by Satan was crafty and shrewd and subtle. Folks, when Satan approached Eve, he didn't come like the devil with a mask on, breathing fire. He came subtly. He came smoothly. He came almost innocently. And temptation is going to come for you. The opportunity to do things that you shouldn't do, say things you shouldn't do, be involved the in things that you should, until you die. And you need to understand when it comes, it doesn't come like a fire breathing devil. It comes smoothly. It, it can come through a person who doesn't even know they're being used by the devil. It can come from someone who does have evil intent. But if it's going to sucker you in, it's coming, it's going to come in a smooth way. Several years ago, Americans were interviewed about, do you believe in a literal devil? 57%, which I thought was pretty high, actually still believe there is a devil. A recent poll said, well, that would mean 40-something probably did not know or didn't, But 40% of people in the millennial generation today said that there's no real devil. The devil's not real. He's just the symbol of evil and wrong. Listen, the smoothest way the devil can ruin your life is to get you to think that he is not real. Folks, the devil is real. The devil is not God. He is not anywhere near as powerful as God but he's a lot more powerful than you. The Bible says the devil was an angel who rebelled against God. He's a fallen angel. He's a creation. God's a creator. God can take him seven days a week, 24, 365, but he's a lot more powerful than you and me. Number one, when temptation comes for you, it comes smoothly. Here's the second thing that I think is so important. The devil appeals to our most basic needs and desires. The devil hits you where you're susceptible the devil hits you in spots where where you need something filled you need something satisfied in verse 4 and 5 the serpent said to the woman you will surely not die for God knows that when you eat of this fruit your eyes will be open and you will be like God knowing good and evil In the Old Testament, the word God or the name God is used multiple times. Sometimes it's with a little g to mean a false God or a fake God. Sometimes the Hebrew word for God is the word Elohim. And when it's used in a certain way, it is describing the one supreme God. And when Satan speaks here... Listen to how he's appealing to Adam and Eve. Hey, if you will do what I'm suggesting you will do, if you will follow me, if you will go this route, you, you won't be a God, you will be like the God. You will be as powerful and all-knowing and you will be as cool and, and as relevant as the God. Wow, that's a pretty good selling point, isn't it? Verse 6, he says, So when the woman saw the tree was good Food, pleasant and pleasing. I and mean, that it was a delight to the eye. The word delight means it was charming. It was something, listen, that could be lusted after. The eye there meant not only the sight, but it meant the mind. That's where your battle is, anyway. It was a delight to the eyes. The tree was to be desired to make one wise. It was desired and it was beautiful. Hmm. What a way to appeal to us. If you're taking notes, write this down and look it up, please, when you get home. Matthew chapter 4 is the antithesis of Genesis 3. Matthew 4 is where Jesus is tempted. and, And Jesus wins the battle against Satan in the temptation war. What's interesting is the, almost the exact way that Satan attacks Eve and Adam is the way he attacks Jesus. The way they handle it is radically different. He appeals to Jesus like he did to Eve with the appetite, with beauty, with the ego and wisdom. This is where he hits you and he hits me. You see, the devil is smart. If the devil's going to tempt me, do any of y'all, you don't have to raise your hand. This would be embarrassing. Any of y'all struggle with gluttony? Good. I have one, one person here. I, You know, I can be tempted that way, I promise you. But if the devil is going to tempt me with gluttony, he's not going to do it with cabbage and beets. Do you young people even know what beets are? Go home and thank God if you don't. To, to me... <laughs> To me, they're horrible. Now, if you're a cabbage and beet person, that's awesome. You're weird. I love you, and I will pastor you anyway. I will try my best to take care of you. If Satan wants to tempt me, it's going to be with chocolate pie and ice cream. Amen? That's, I mean, and maybe you're the cabbage person that's going to be a glutton with cabbage. Go for it, weirdo. Go for it. You'll live longer than me. Satan's not going to come to you with some guy or some girl that's not attractive to you. He's not going to come to you with some proposition that doesn't make sense. He's not going to tempt you with something you don't have a desire. He's going to come to you. Why why do you think sex is such a struggle? Because God gave us a sex drive. And and it's supposed to be mad. Some people have the gift of singleness. A lot of people don't. But it's supposed to be met in a, a very specific way. Satan gets in there and says, you know what? It's not being met in that way. And you've got that need. I bet we can figure out a way to meet that. That's true. You want your kids to fit in? You want your kids to be academic scholars and great athletes? That's wonderful. That's a great desire. And Satan will try to get you to do things to compromise him in the process of making that happen. You need money to live on. Satan will try to get you to compromise and do wrong to gain an advantage there. Most of us who are normal, we need other people. We want friends. We want relationships. And and God says, well... If you're going to, God doesn't, Satan says, if you, if you want to have those friends, young people and not so young people, you're going to have to compromise some of your standards. You're going to have to go some places that, that, that you shouldn't go and be involved in some things you shouldn't. But you've got that need. Someone said, and I don't know who did, but this is worth writing down. What Satan does is he takes a real need and a real desire and wants us to meet it in the wrong way. Satan takes a right thing, hunger, Eve, something's attractive, the apple, the fruit, wisdom, good thing. Satan takes the right thing and he tempts us to meet that need in a wrong way. Some of you, some of you are single and you want to have a relationship. That's great. And what Satan's going to do is he's going to try to tempt you to get into a relationship with somebody you shouldn't. Young people, not so young people. Because after all, you're lonely. I understand that. I didn't get married until I was 35. Satan's going to try to get you to meet the right need in the wrong way. Here's the third thing. Satan blurs the truth. The devil blurs the truth. In verse 1, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field. He said to the woman, did God actually say? It's literally like he kind of said, hey, really, really, did God really say? Did God really say that you can't eat of any tree in the garden? That's not what God said. But it's a trick question. And it's not one you can answer with a simple yes or no. And then you you go to verse verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die. See, now he just flat out lies. The first question is tricky. Now he lies. In verse 5, he mixes truth with a lie. This is his expertise. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's telling some of the truth there. When they, when they eat it, their eyes are going to be open. That is absolutely true. When they eat it, they're going to have an understanding they've never had before. Many of us like understanding and knowledge and being smart. He's saying, I can give you that. Devil's not lying. Devil said, you're going to be like God. Oh, in a tiny way. But the, the, the rest, as a flat-out lie, they are not going to be God. In John eight forty four, listen to what it says. Jesus says, he's talking to the Pharisees here. You are of your father, the devil. Wouldn't that be a good way to start a sermon? This morning, you are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of of uh, lies but listen to me he lies through confusion and he's smooth many of you are very smart you are not a match intellectually for the devil and he's way too smart to come to you and say hey why don't you make this decision and ruin your life he's not going to sell that to you that way what he's going to say to you is something like this you're married And you don't have a very good husband, or you don't have a very good wife. And you know what? That may be the case. And he may even whisper, you know what? Your spouse is not very romantic. You know what I'm saying, married people, and I'll leave it at that. And he may be telling the truth. You may need a lot of counseling. But here's what he's going to say. This person over here would meet that need. Man, you just need companionship. And they would make you feel warm and welcome. And all you need is sex, and they would provide that, and nobody's ever going to know. And by the way, young people, you got to drink, and you got to party, and you got to be sexually active. To fit in. And you want to fit in. Fitting in, wanting to fit in is normal. Wanting to have friends is normal. Wanting to be liked is a normal need that we all have. And Satan tells that lie. He takes that good need and he blurs it and he says, but if you're going to fit in, you got to party. you got to be sexually active. You can't be a prude and be like your parents and those church people. He takes the truth and a good need and he twists it. To ruin your life, it's that he wants to take the good thing and for you to meet it in a wrong, wrong way. You need money. You're not treated well at work. They don't pay you well. Well, just steal a little bit. Take a little bit. Fudge on your numbers. You deserve it. Money's a need. Satan is smooth. Satan is going to appeal your relational needs your sexual needs, your financial needs, these real needs that you have, and he's going to lie to you. He's going to tell you a truth that if you do this, this is going to be fine. That's true. He's going to tell you that person or that situation or that avenue can meet that need, and it will temporarily. But he's going to leave out a lot of the rest of the story. Satan blurs the truth. So here's the heart of it this morning. What do we do? Well, what do we do... To win over temptation. Again, I'm not overselling this. This is life or death. Some of you are in the middle of this struggle right now. And you know it. You're here for a reason. God put you here to hear this this morning. But every one of us who lives much longer is going to be in the middle of it. How do we win over temptation? Let me give you a few things. Number one, get in and stay in great spiritual shape. Some of you, when you hear what I'm fixing to say, you're going to yawn. You have heard this, you know this. There's nothing more important than this. If you miss this, what I'm fixing to say, you're you're a disaster waiting to happen. I'm your pastor. I love you. I'll be there for you. I'll help you sweep up the mess. But I'm giving you a warning. You miss this, you miss everything else. Get in spiritual shape. I'm not kicking Adam and Eve. I don't think they were where they needed to be with God right now. And that's kind of strange since they saw his face and walked with him in the garden get in if you're if you're not a christian give your life to christ number 1 number 2 as a christian walk with jesus i can't overstate this enough but thank you for being in church you need to be in church you need to pray you need to read your bible you need that stuff more than you can ever imagine man the most important thing in my life is not spending a lot of time on sermon prep the most important thing in my life is spending time with God personally. That's the most important thing in your life. You are protecting yourself. You are not bulletproofing yourself. You're protecting yourself. When Cindy and I moved here, we lived out, we, we had the one of the only homes we could really afford and that fit our needs, it has five acres. And we, we love it now, it's great. The first eleven years we lived out there. We were surrounded by woods. I mean, in the summer, you couldn't see our house from the road. It was really pretty cool. I could walk around in my boxers out in the front yard, and nobody except my wife was ever offended. I'm just kidding. I never did that. By the looks on your face, I'm very sorry I said that. Uh, But you, you couldn't. I mean, it was very, very camouflaged. Here's the drawback of that. We had snakes all over the place. Again, a friend of mine named Teddy named our house the Reptile Ranch, and that's what it was. Every year we'd kill two or three copperheads. You don't know what a copperhead is? They are not good Christians. <laughs> Somebody in the first service was telling me, they got a snake and put it back in the woods. It's God's creation. I'm going to put it back in the woods after I blow its head off. <laughs> the dust you will go back to, amen? I mean, every year we would kill us. snake. We'd come home from church, you'd have to have a flashlight because there'd be a copperhead. <laughs> waiting to attack, and uh, we would come home one night, and our little boxer, Crunch, his little snout was all swollen up, and we took him into Patrick Sexton. Patrick healed him, but, you know, he had four little fang marks on his snout. We saw coral snakes. I've talked to, to, to foresters. Bob Patterson told me, he said, been in the woods 50 years. He's never seen a coral snake. We killed coral snakes, very poisonous snakes. And you know what? We cleared all that property, and you know what happened? Four years later, we have not seen a poisonous snake. We're we'll knocking on wood because we'll go home today, and I will be attacked by eight or nine in the yard. One of my friends, who is a philosopher and a fisherman named Steve Lee, told me this. Steve, raise your hand back there. You ducked your head when I said that. You're never shy. Raise your hand, Steve. Steve said, "I don't know how he knows that. He may be the snake whisperer." Steve Steve said that snakes respect a mode boundary. Now, I don't think Steve meant that all the snakes in the neighborhood get together and go, man, the Phillipses mowed their yards. We can't attack them anymore. But what Steve meant was is snakes need cover. They operate from stealth. This is the devil. This is how the devil... Now, you're going to go home today and be bitten by a black mamba in your front yard and it's mowed and you're going to sue me. You can be bit by a snake on a golf course on the green. It could. Ha- it's happened, I'm Sure. But you are helping yourself by cleaning up the property around you. Spiritually, when you clean up your act and you keep it mowed and you keep it clean and you stay right with God, you'll be amazed. Temptation's coming, but you will see it and you will be in a much better condition to handle. Does that make sense? Stay right with God. Number two, stay humble. Be humble. I don't know if Adam and Eve had lost this. Civil War, May of 1864, the Battle of Spotsylvania Courthouse in Virginia. Union general named John Sedgwick, he was a major general, listen, this is important, an experienced general, been in many battles, was mad at his troops because they were hiding behind or or down in their trench holes. They were saying that the Confederate soldiers were shooting at him. He goes, they are a thousand yards from here. They cannot hit us. They said, nope, they can. Major General John Sedgwick, experienced soldier, stood up and said they could not hit an elephant from this distance. Last words he ever said. He was hit by a Confederate sniper and he dropped dead right there. How many of you honestly think that you can't fall into something bad. If that's you, you have a gigantic bullseye on you that you have created and the devil's coming for you. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. First, read this out loud with me, please. Therefore, let anyone... Okay, I'm not trying to kick you at all, but I'm, just, I'm telling you the truth. Any of us in here can fall into anything. Yet. Boy, it's, I know it's easy when somebody else does. Oh, we talk about them, and we we just, I can't believe they did that, and we're condemning and all that stuff. That's that's a sin, and another sermon for another day. But if you think that you can't fall, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Number two, stay humble, stay humble. Here's another great quote for you. I don't know who said this, but this goes in with staying in shape and staying humble. The devil will set a trap for you and wait 20 years to catch you in it if he has to. He's got time on his hands. So you get out of shape, you get arrogant, boom, he'll get you. Stay humble, stay humble. Number three, do your best to avoid temptation. Do your best to avoid it. Verse 6, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was a delight to the eye, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of it, she ate it, and she gave it to her weak husband, and he ate it too. Eve, get away from the stinking tree. Wouldn't that have helped? Get away from it. I'm going to tell you in a moment, you can't always avoid it, but a lot of times you can. You can avoid situations and places that you don't need to be in. Reverend John Wayne Brown, great name, John Wayne Brown, you probably don't know him. He was a pastor in the Appalachian Mountains. His church was a snake handling church. Did any of you know what those are? It's based on Matthew, excuse me, the end of Mark 16. I think a bad understanding of it. But they handle snakes in the service. How many of you would join another church? That'd be a way to whittle your membership down. If you want to join, come handle a rattlesnake. Reverend John Wayne Brown died after being bit in the service by one of his own rattlesnakes. It's the 23rd time he'd been bit. His wife died three years earlier from a snake bite. I'm not making fun of that or kicking that at all. I'm just saying if that's what you want to do, you're in the wrong place. But if you're going to handle rattlesnakes, you're going to get bit eventually. Get, Get away from it. Stay away from it. Avoid those things. Don't hang out in the bedroom. Mom and dad, don't let your kids hang out in the bedroom until they're married. Say, oh, no, or amen. We're just watching TV, famous last words. You get married, hang out in the bedroom. Before you're married, hang out in front of everybody else. Don't hang out in the back seat of a car. We weren't in the bedroom. We're just looking at stars. Oh, what, how dumb do you think your old folks are? I'm not kicking anybody. I'm just saying you can avoid some problems by avoiding the problems. If a website gives you problems, get off the Internet. Simple enough? No, it's not simple. It's hard. It was amazing when I quit partying and going to redneck bars, I just didn't get in any fights anymore. You know, hang out at a church, I mean, there's some bad people, but it's not like people are walking around putting cigarettes in my tea wanting to fight. It's amazing. Avoid avoid the places that you don't need to be. Number four, hold on to God's Word and His character. I won't read it again, but verse 2 and 3, Eve tries to debate the devil. In Matthew 4, Jesus just quotes Scripture. Eve adds to Scripture. She misquotes Scripture. The devil is going to twist the Scripture. The, 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 devil is, the devil is going to try to impugn the character of God and tell you God doesn't really love you. God's telling you to do this because he doesn't want you to have fun. All that's a lie. You've got to know the Word of God, and you've got to hold on to the Word of God. Psalms 119.11, Psalms 119.11, it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Very important. Hold on to God's Word and His character. Here's the fifth thing. Run. Just run. See, sometimes you can't avoid it. But you can get out of it. You can can run from it. In verse 2, Eve didn't. She talks. She debates with the devil. You're always going to lose when you go one-on-one with the devil. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but when the temptation comes, he will provide a way out so that you may be able to escape and you'll be able to endure it. You may have to endure it, but God's also going to provide an exit, run from it. It's, it's amazing that w- when you get an opportunity, if you will get away from it as quick as you can, how you can avoid a lot of problems. Do any of you ever get, uh, like if you're on Facebook, do you ever get friend requests from people in Europe you don't know? I do. I'll get them and, you know, it'll be like a 24-year-old girl and she's got some nice name like Constantinople or something like that and she, she likes people in Ruston and she wants to be my friend and she wants to send me pictures if I will be her friend. And I thought those were like sporting pictures. So I don't ever accept them, but here's how I, I handle it now. If, you, if I get something like that, I, I write them back and say, hey, that's awesome, I'm a pastor. If you're ever in Ruston, come to our church. They never respond to me again. Play the God card on people. If someone wants to invite you back to their hotel room, say, let's meet in the lobby and have a Bible study. They will leave you alone. I'm telling you the truth, Arnold. So you can't, I can play the pastor card. I'm sitting on an airplane, and a lady wanted to buy me a drink years ago. And I, I wanted a drink. I didn't want what she was drinking. I wanted like a Coke. And Cindy goes, she was making a move on you. I didn't know that. We just talked. And then I told her I was a pastor. And it was amazing how the mood shifted. And I think I think she was hitting on me. Play the God card on people. Get out of the situation. Don't flirt with the devil or you will lose. And here's the last key. Always remember your consequences. Man. It's what Adam and Eve didn't do. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Satan was right. That was going to happen. And they knew that they were naked. They had new knowledge. Satan was right. They sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves loincloths. Two weeks ago, I shared with you, that word naked doesn't just mean without clothes. It It means humiliated. It means ashamed. It means to be disgraced. See, here's what Satan does to you and me. This will be fun. He's telling you the truth. You'll enjoy this. You need this. You deserve this. You're special. But What he leaves out is the consequences. Do you hear that? He doesn't tell you you're fixing to ruin relationships. You're going to mess up your life. You're going to embarrass yourself. It's going to be really difficult. He doesn't tell you any of those things if we would always pause before we don't do something and to think there's going to be repercussions to this. Now, the flip side of that, there's repercussions when you do the right thing. You honor God. Oh, it's hard. But you honor God. You honor your husband or wife. If you're married, you honor yourself. You build strength. You build your witness. I want to challenge you this morning. Handle your temptations God's way. That's the way to real success. Will you pray with me? God, I just pray for our Christians here that if, they, uh, if they're struggling right now, they'll make the right choices. They'll make the choices that are going to help them, not hinder them. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, or you're unsure if you're a Christian, pray with me this morning if you're ready and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And I accept that you're God's Son and you died for me come into my heart and I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment. Maybe you're here today and God's leading you to join our church. You need a church. You can come when we stand and sing and join us. You can join after church, but I want to encourage you to do that. You need a church family. Maybe you just ask Christ in your heart, or you're ready to do that. We can talk after church, or you can come right now, and, and you, can, you can do that. You Listen, you need to give your life to Christ more than you need anything else in this world. Come and do that this morning. Some of you Christians, you're not in a bad spot right now. Just stay humble. Stay in good shape, because it's coming. Others of you, there's some of you right now, you are on the cusp of a great decision or a disaster. Man, I challenge you. Come let us pray with you. Pray at the altar, but choose to handle it God's way. Let's stand. You come now as we stand.